Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is yeah. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beat me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. You've seen his work with Boom Studios, Marvel Comics, and of course IDW Publishing as their go-to painter for all things Trek. The man, the myth, the legend. It's JK Woodward. Yeah. JK. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? Thanks for having me on. Dude. It's good. It's good. It's, 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 your your bouncer was kind of a dick, but you know, like I I got in. So, <laughs> hey, you know, to pull to pull the to pull the curtain back for folks listening, like <laughs> you know, I, I I you can go through so much preparation and you know have so much technical know how, but you know things happen and you got to be able to roll with the punches. And to be honest, I'm super excited to talk to you today finally <laughs> now that the internet and uh certain uh online platforms have finally allowed us to connect <laughs> yeah well well thank god it wasn't difficult <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely dude uh man uh yeah so uh you know so let's dive let's dive right in um you you know gosh if you've picked up a star trek comic in the last 10 15 years more odds are folks have seen I've been doing this for 15 years yeah so yeah yeah um so let me you know when it when folks come on that have a very specific uh thing that they're doing and they are also big fans of Trek I always like to ask what what came first so was it was it art that came first or was it Star Trek oh wow that's that's a uh actually a difficult question to answer because I feel like I was an artist before I was a Star Trek fan, but they both kind of happened when I was seven. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so, so like I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I think I might have been a Star Trek fan first. Okay. Um, I um, I grew up watching the the reruns. Um, of course. On uh, what what used to be called UFC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was these these channels that uh, people didn't pay for, but I mean, like, yeah, I was, I was watching Star Trek and Dr. Who when I was a kid. Um, and you know, like, I feel like I just missed it, you know, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I know Star Trek came out as a, like, I was like just about 10 years behind it. Oh, <laughs> same yeah. with, with, same with Dr. Who, but they, they were showing that on PBS, you know? So I was, I was like catching this stuff just a little bit later than when it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a huge deal to me. I mean, I I I, uh, I I completely like I latched right onto Spock. Like I identify with this guy. This guy's my guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Every everybody everybody doesn't seem to understand him. Sounds like me. <laughs> said, <laughs> was... said every creative person ever. <laughs> 
That's why that's why you see all the comedians in the back of the room just on their phones like please, please nobody talk to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I think um it's it's to answer your question, like I'm not I'm not quite sure. I was I was always an artist. I I I think I was born an artist, and and that's not to say that you're born with an innate ability to do this thing. Yeah, you're not, but you're born with the will to do it. You know, and I, I, I feel like I was an artist from the, the second I was born. And uh, I feel like Star Trek and and Stan Lee, um, you know, gave me the will to move on with that. I, I think uh, that's what uh, spurred me on. Yeah. You, you bring up an interesting point about, uh, you know, maybe it's maybe this actually kind of falls into the nature versus nurture uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. But like. You know, it's it's the same with comedy. Like you could be a good comedic writer, but like that doesn't necessarily make you a good comedian. Same with art. Like you can go to art school and you can read all the books and you can practice all the stuff and and do all the things, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can do it. Like, what's been Exa your yeah? What was your experience? Because I mean, working in the industry as long as you have, I imagine you've run across like the entire spectrum of like folks who could but don't and then folks who have like you know the opposite end of the spectrum of just who can sit down and create masterpieces on a napkin or a tablecloth or or anything they do like yeah what's what's been your overall kind of experience and do you have any thoughts about that you know being born with it versus being trained in it all that all that stuff well, I'll I'll say right off the right off the top, there is no being born with it. Right, you're not born with it. Right, it's a skill you <laughs> it develop is. it. Yeah, um, and 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 you have to be obsessed mm. to get there. Yes, you have to be obsessed. Um, I I actually got like very disappointed. <laughs> this is I'm probably breaking a rule here. Um, my therapist, <laughs> hey, <laughs> one wanted to write a book. And said like, oh, I could have done this, and but but it would have it would have taken too long, and it would have cost too much. And I was like, you can't be my therapist anymore because you don't yeah. get it. Yeah, <laughs> because, you don't get it because I would have I would have yeah I would have been like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much it takes. I will you know he was he was talking about like yeah you know, he had to get a license in every other state to write this book, and I can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, because you're a <laughs> fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's you know uh with... but i mean but i mean i i, I I'm, I'm making a joke but I'm, i mean i it, it's seriously like if you want to be the best at the best you have to sacrifice a lot yeah and i sacrificed a lot to be a comic book artist because there is 20 people in line behind me that aren't even half as good that could take my job in a second yeah you know I... and so you you have to be you have to be serious about this. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're and, absolutely and you right. Could, you and you need to have people in your life who understand that. <laughs> and that's for, you know, for a lot yeah. of folks that that's a that can be a tall order for some folks, you know, unless you kind of yeah. have that you put that out on front street. Like there was there was times, you know, especially early on when I was getting into when I was getting into stand up where I would tell jokes about quote unquote my wife. And she would get, she mm -hmm. would attend shows and would get kind of upset. And she's like, look, you're making fun of me. Some of this stuff isn't true. And I was like, okay, let me, exp 
you know, kind of break this down of how this works. Like, I'm not actually telling them stories about you. I'm telling them stories about a yeah. caricature of this thing. I'm, I have to say the words to get them to laugh. That's my job. And it, exactly. Yeah. You know, no. and, and once I kind of broke that down and she kind of like, oh, OK, I get it. Here's now. here's how I would explain that to her. Yeah, I'm using you as a prop. <laughs> I'm using <laughs> it's it's not a really about you you're not that important <laughs> it's, yeah it, you know well the you know the funny thing is is she's uh she's incredibly empathetic um so yeah. you know i asked her how she, unfortunate for you i know i know she's she's not the and she's admittedly not the biggest stand-up comedy fan and I find, you know, I asked her, I was just like, you know, what is it? You know, why, why don't you like stand up? And she's like, honestly, I see through it. Like I see, I hear the sad, yeah. the sadness. Then I hear the desperation in these people <laughs> and I, and I just want to give them a hug. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. There's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> like they talk about oh, death they talk about death a lot and i was just like yeah yeah you want to look up some statistics oh, about suicide yeah. and stand-up comedy she saw right through you yeah exactly exactly <laughs> oh my gosh well let's let's get back let's get back into trek a little bit <laughs> well, okay so, yeah because this whole stand-up thing is getting depressing i know <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, going through uh, some of the stuff I found online about your, uh, you know, your your body of work and and all of that. What was what was that initial what made that transition from, you know, working, you know, and developing and refining the technique versus like getting that first job? Like, you know, that first thing right off the bat. I think that was, um, you know, the the the, the thing is, is, is it like I. Through my little joke about uh, being kind of obsessed, yeah, that's what it took. Yeah, that's what it took. And uh, what I ended up doing was I put out two uh, self-published comics, and then that got attention, and that got the attention of uh, a man named Peter David. I don't know if you heard of him. He writes comics. Yeah, <laughs> very familiar. <laughs> you know, so so I ended up getting a job with uh, uh, Fallen Angel. When yes. that got brought to IDW, and it was basically because I didn't give up. <laughs> uh, but it's it's like everybody thinks it's uh, um, portfolio reviews or this. Nope, that's not how it works. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you have to publish something, and then it gets the attention. And uh, and it cost me a lot of money and a lot of work, but uh, I got there, yeah. and I've been broke ever since. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, I remember uh I remember uh sitting in a uh, you know, breaking into comics panel at uh at a convention. This was years ago. But somebody asked the question, "Okay, but how? Like how how do you get there?" And the the answer Please, please tell me I wasn't on that panel because I know the answer. Oh, okay. I, I'll tell you I'll tell you who said it. I'll tell you who said okay. it like off mic, but like um the the answer that they gave was if you want to be in the comic book industry, go make a comic book. Congratulations. Yeah. You're in the comic book industry. And it's exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that really, that really is it. Because if, if you're serious about making a comic book, make a comic book. Yeah. Just go, um, do, it. Just go do it. You know, maybe you'll get paid for it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but if you really want to do it, do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, that was kind of my thing. That's that's how I started. When people ask me how I started in comics, I made a comic. I made actually two comics before I get signed and actually got to work for higher uh, 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 contract. And so, you know, the first two were free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird. It's weird to think about, you know, this particular industry where it's it's such a well, I'll even I'll even go ahead and say kind of entertainment seems to be. Yeah. You kind of have to. It's not just, well, I showed up and here's my resume. Do I get the job? Like you kind of have to put that work out there regularly, most of the time for free before someone says, hey, yep. kid, I'd like to pay you for what you got, you know, type type of thing. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, sa- same thing on the stand up side It's like, go to the mics. It was like, well, how do I get famous in New yep. York? Get in your car and go to New York. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you have to be famous before you get famous. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 yeah. I yeah. was like trying to, ha- I was having this conversation with my wife. I'm like, why am I not famous? Cause I'm not famous yet. Yeah. I have to be famous. And that's how you break in. Like, how do you break in? Um, yeah. You got to do it. You got to yeah. do it first. You got to figure out a way. And then some people get really lucky. I mean, there's the, um, there's the ninja term. There's some people that just get lucky and break in right away. Yeah. And then there's other people that have to, uh, you know, work their way up. And, I, you know, I'm one of those people. But yeah. I had to publish first. To answer your question, I had to publish first. I had to get it out there first. Yeah. And that's when Marvel got, you know, you know, got their attention. And I did. I ended up doing a, a X-Men Origins Beast. Yes. Or that's how Peter David, you know, that's how I started doing uh, Fallen Angel. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. That those those done that. Yeah. You, they were. Yeah. You 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 have to um, just like you said. I I think you, you summed it up so nicely with having to be obsessed about it. Like if if you yeah. if you truly are if that if that is truly your calling if that's truly your desire to make it okay. This is what it takes. You. This has to be nope. just every. This has to be your everything. Whenever I have portfolio reviews with people, I always tell them, "What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing?" Because like I will never own a home. <laughs> I will never have a family. Yeah. These are the things I sacrifice. What are you willing to do? Yeah. Because that's kind of what it takes. Yeah. You know, and as a as a, a stand up comic, you seem like a a really sad man. I. Uh, <laughs> There's a darkness here. There's a darkness, clearly. <laughs> there, yeah, it's, you know. I, but I, I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there's there's truth to that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You, you have to be willing to sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's like, just like you said. You're going to you're gonna waste the best years of your life. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, it's, you know. So it's better be worth it. Make sure you. Oh yeah. Well, it's at one point my wife came to me and she was like, Hey, stop trying to turn every one of our vacations into a work trip. Like you don't have to find an open mic wherever we go. (laughs) It's so funny because the only thing we have for a vacation is comic cons. (laughs) What are you doing? What are you doing in this vacation? I'm going to sit behind a table and maybe eat a cold hot dog. And (laughs) I'll tell you this, my 13 son, 13 year old son loves it. Hey, I'm a hero to him. And there you go. <laughs> um, so I'm let's... not sure my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's just like, no, no. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Just 
let's uh let's jump forward a little bit in time to when you got uh when you started doing star trek regularly i know you did a a cover of new frontier i think that might have been like the first official star trek work correct second second but yeah okay okay i was uh yeah yeah and then i got uh i started doing single issues so uh, uh, was it? Keith the Candido okay. on a single issue of I think it was the Klingon book okay, or it could have been the uh, there, there are two books I did right away mm-hmm. and uh, one of them was um, one of them was the Captain Pike story okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the story of how he lost his face yeah <laughs> and then there was another story I did like a, like either a month later or a month before and it was Klingon uh like best of Klingon or uh, not best of Klingon, but um, it was it was they, they were doing a story called Alien Spotlights at the time. But it was a Klingon one. And I think it was called something like um, uh, a, I don't know. Somebody can a thousand yards can kill a hundred throats or something. It was a Klingon proverb. Oh, OK. And I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember the name of it, but I I know one of them was about the Candido and the other one was written by uh, Stuart uh, Molly. And okay. I think the Pike one was written by him. Yeah. Okay. And th- those were my first two jobs. And uh, oh my God, I had such a great time on those. <laughs> Especially the Klingon one. I got notes back from Paramount saying, too much blood, James. Too much blood. Well. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely more of a horror guy than I am a sci-fi guy. Oh, so okay. I love horror. Yeah, I, I love gore, and and when they gave me that Klingon story, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... And yeah, yeah. Okay. I definitely got notes. <laughs> so let me let let's let's take a let's take a short let's take a short detour for just one second because it just popped into my head of you know the idea of like sci-fi versus horror and all that. Who who who's your money on a Klingon? Uh, your standard Klingon warrior. Or one of the predators. If if they are if they are head to head, a Klingon versus a predator, who you got? Klingon's gonna whoop his ass. Really? Whoop his ass. Yes, because they're trained. They're trained. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're hunters. They're hunters. And what 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 do hunters do? They look for people or things weaker than them. Klingons do the opposite. Klingons want to take down an enemy that's stronger than them. Klingons will win every time. And I say this, you know, and and I say this, even if they took on Chewbacca, Klingon would win every time. Klingons win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I think I think that debate, I think if I, you know, I I would love to moderate you with somebody with somebody who would take the opposite. What's your your opinion? Uh, I, you know, I what what, what was your opinion? I I think, first of all, it's definitely a fight I want to see. Uh, but I think if I had to, if I had to put money, yes. I think if I had to put money, I would go, I think I would go, I, I might, I might lean towards predator for the simple fact that with, Wrong! I, I know, I know it's, I might as well just, and that's all the time we have on the computer resume podcast. No. <laughs> um, I think with the, with the, with the invisibility, I think with the invisibility cloak, um, and they're, Wait, you're, you're- Forgetting the, the Klingon sense of smell, they would smell them. They would not need to be invisible. That's true. Klingons would know they were there. They would pick up the scent. They would pick up the scent. Yeah, you're absolutely. Yeah. Right. 
But I, I would, I think, I think if it's, if you, if you're talking in a jungle, then I think predators got the advantage. If you're talking in like a tight, like 15 by 15, like ring, like hand to hand. Yeah. I think Klingons got them. Did you not see Worf in the jungle in, in deep space nine? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He handles uh, pretty well. He was like, yes, you catch the scent. Oh, and he got all hard about it. Come I, you, on. Know, you know what I, I will uh i will surrender i i, I think i think you're on to something here i think klingons klingons might uh might give them okay. for their money i'm sorry i don't know if you could not see the fat left on my wall i did i did see that earlier and i was just like oh yeah yeah he's hardcore like you read about man <laughs> which <laughs> let, let, now that you've mentioned the Batleth, uh, I actually posed this question earlier uh, or in an earlier episode recently. Now that we know like all the Borgs, you know, the Borg stuff that's been happening since since TNG, since the beginning of TNG. Right. Why isn't every Starfleet officer issued some sort of bladed weapon? Like, because that seems to be like the only thing that can penetrate, you know. Uh, I will or cling on scum. <laughs> that's the only people that carry bladed weapons yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. just telling you i'm just I'm, I'm, I'm saying right now that yeah yeah you're absolutely we, right we, I, you know why because we're we're mature individuals that use phasers that's, that's true yeah you're <laughs> absolutely right i so in the uh in the star trek adventures uh tabletop game i actually play a uh andorian security chief so, but I, I modeled my character after John Cena. So I basically like found a John Cena and just put a uniform on him and colored him blue, gave him antennas and the whole thing. So I'm, so I'm always like, I've got my Ushantor and it's just like, oh, I happen to have a phaser, but I'm going to stab you with my Ushantor. <laughs> you know what? I'm totally, I'm totally picturing the tick right now. <laughs> John Cena says, <laughs> oh my God, that's so great. Oh, <laughs> I need okay. So if you were ever, if you were ever going to do a comedic piece of Star Trek, just go ahead and do John Cena, sort of like an Andorian, mostly like a mm-hmm. tick, and just be like, you know, you can't see my spoon or. <laughs> I would buy that on a t-shirt in and a totally heartbeat. doing a dance. <laughs> oh my god, we are getting some work done here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know i've t- I've talked mm. with uh a couple of other uh comics uh folks who have you know worked uh either in star trek specifically or you know at least on the periphery of star trek and there's a there were there were a lot of things going on with star trek before idw got the got the license and all that and it was you know yeah, it was, it was a little cool though yeah it was a little tricky a little dicey <laughs> you know in terms of like what they the look of it you know the actors appearances the storylines all that stuff but uh you know getting into some of the more recent books um there's been there's been a lot of development and i lost my thought damn it <laughs> <laughs> i i swear to god i had a question uh no it, um no well um have have you have you had have you had any uh issues with you know uh the likeness uh you know the likeness rights and stuff like that because that's one thing that really stands out about your work is that 
when you draw yeah. when you draw Captain Picard, it looks like Patrick Stewart, you know, and and so on down the line. Like, has, right. has there been any uh, issues with that? Or um, there is okay. So it, it's it's funny you 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 talk about um, how things were earlier mm. because like I look at the away with this yeah. <laughs> because they are kind of very strict with us. Yeah. Um, um, so they not only does the company have the rights, but the the uh, the families have the rights. If if like somebody's dead, yeah, the oh, estate gosh. has the right. And so like they always come back to us with notes. You know, like uh, um, Patrick Stewart doesn't like it when I draw his head too pointy. <laughs> you know, like I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> it just just kind of like <laughs> like that. You're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, um, I've, I've, I've watched the show your head's kind of pointy but you know um <laughs> but um yeah yeah no they 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 um they all almost every um actor has likeness rights in their in their contracts yeah so that's what we have to deal with um i i myself not bragging just saying i don't get that many notes because <laughs> i'm awesome yeah but, <laughs> but i mean yes no, no uh, arguments here <laughs> but i mean yes yeah right to, to decide what they look like in comics um and, uh, i think i think much more so now than they used to i i don't think that was a thing um back in the 70s or back in the 80s but it, it most certainly is now yeah. um and um i'm fine with it like I said, I don't get notes because I'm ah! awesome. Yeah, but you know, uh, you being a big, big Trek fan, uh, in addition to being, you know, in in addition to working on Star Trek comics, you know, when Enterprise ended, outside of the J.J. Abrams movies, there wasn't anything in the prime canon for you know a couple years. What was your first? What was your first thought when they released Discovery back in 2017? What did you think of it? Well, I, uh, I I was actually very excited about that fact. I met Brian. Uh, was it Fuller? Uh, Fuller, Brian Fuller. Fuller. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was thinking of a different Brian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah I, <laughs> I, uh, I I had actually met him in San Diego during um, San Diego Comic Con, and I was doing a an art show at uh, the Michael Michael J. Wolf Gallery on Fifth and G. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been there, but but there was a there was a gallery showing, and I was hanging my paintings, and he came in, and uh, um, and that's where I found out. He's like, you know, uh, we're doing other Star Trek with the people at uh, CBS Paramount. So I'm like, why the f <laughs> did nobody tell me about this? <laughs> I, I I heard it from him, and I was like, I was, and he was talking about it, and he was like. It's really, really uh, mostly based on the Klingons. And he was telling me, because I'm a big Klingon guy. Yeah. So I did a, I don't know if you ever saw the artwork, but I did a, the, for 50th anniversary of Star Trek, the artwork I did. And they said, like, what, what would you say 50 years of Star Trek means to you? And I did big Klingon painting because I'm like, I love the Klingons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. And then, so that's why Brian. Uh, came up to me and said, like, you know, you gotta love what we're doing. Because <laughs> it's really about the Klingons. It's about the Klingons and 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 we're kind of opening up their their culture 
and giving it a little bit more. Now, as it turned out, nobody liked it. <laughs> uh, Star Trek fans <laughs> really didn't like it, but I loved it. I loved it because I, I kind of loved uh, the sort of Klingon renaissance that he gave to it. I dare you to find one person who agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, there, there's a lot of there. There seems to be a lot of uh, backlash against, uh, you know, new Trek in general, just because it feels so different from legacy, you know, the legacy yeah. era and all of that stuff. But I, honestly, I, for the, the, the dissenting voices seem to be getting fewer and further between like as new Trek goes on because, because you know why why <laughs> you know why um because because that new show <laughs> strange new worlds yes they finally got it right they i mean in 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 my point of view i feel like they finally got that right you know it's... uh they finally got star trek right they got they found a they found a way to speak to a new generation right yeah, yeah. it's i and I... keep it Trek. Yeah, I've I've never shied away from saying like, well, first of all, you know, of the five different shows in New Trek, they all feel very, very different. And it's clear that they're all meant for sure. different types of audiences. But knowing the track record of every Star Trek show that's been on the air for Strange New Worlds to come out and hit as hard as it did, it's it's surpassed everyone's expectations. Like it, I've, I've said it multiple times, like strange new worlds should not be as good as it is. It's, it's incredibly good. And in every, yeah. And everybody likes it. Everybody does. Everybody likes it. Let me, you know, while we're on new Trek, uh, yeah. Since you're working uh, in art and we've actually discussed comedy, how do you feel about the animated shows, especially when juxtaposed with, the 1970s Hanna-Barbera stuff that came before. Now we've got Lower Decks, you know, kind of in that vein of uh, Rick and Morty, but you've also got Prodigy, yeah. which is very, um, uh, is is a different beast altogether. Like, how, how do you feel about the animated stuff? Yeah, Prodigy feels very Disney to me. Um, not really my world. Okay. However... <laughs> Um, I, I do enjoy, um, Lower Decks. Um, this is something I wanted to happen for the longest <laughs> time. It finally <laughs> happened. You know, it's just, it's just perfect. It's all the jokes we did as Star Trek fans. Yeah. It, it, we, it, it's, it's not even surprising when they say the joke, you're like, ah, I made that joke before. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's not even it's not even anything new. It's just, but we're just like, oh, they're doing this for us. Yeah, I feel like it's really made for Star Trek fans. I mean, more than anything else. Exactly. It's made for us. Yeah, I, I always point to uh, my, the oh. example that I always use is um, the Lego Batman movie. I was like, remember Lego Batman? And it was just yep. stock full <laughs> of all kinds of Batman Easter eggs from the entire franchise front to back Mm -hmm. that's that's lower decks it's you know it's yeah but at the same time like even if you're a casual star trek fan or you're you know just kind of on the priff it's kind of something you can watch and and get it because it's kind of like i've I've also referred to it as like an animated parks and rec in the star trek universe because it's like these these people are really good at their job 
they're just also <laughs> very quirky and <laughs> and weird. <laughs> My uh, stepson is uh, more of a Star Wars guy. I tried to raise him right, but. Uh... <laughs> But uh, he's, you know, like he doesn't really know that much about Star Trek, but he'll still watch the show and laugh his ass off when they do the gangs, the Vulcan gang signs. You know, <laughs> he thinks it's hilarious. He doesn't know why he thinks it's hilarious. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, uh, I, I I feel like it, it the, the comedy relates to everybody. You know, you don't have to be a big Star Trek fan to get the joke. Yes. You know, but yeah. but if you are you get it even better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's comedy is one of those things where it's kind of, uh, and this actually kind of helps transition to our subject matter today. Comedy is such a interesting beast because it, it has a short shelf life unless it's mm -hmm. super, super relatable. And when you're talking about sci-fi, which, you know, if you look at sci-fi from, you know, the 40s, 50s and 60s, it feels incredibly different than the sci-fi from the aughts and the teens and where we are today. And, you know, looking at stuff like that with uh, with Lower Decks, which is the first Star Trek comedy, you know, it's got these things where, like we've said, if you're a hardcore Trekker, oh, you get it. But even if you're not, you still get the joke like the, it's so yeah. well written that you you can't help but enjoy it like the thing that floors me every time is the koala bear of just the, enti <laughs> the entire universe is on the back of a koala why is he smiling <laughs> what does he know <laughs> every time i scroll every time i'm scrolling yep. through instagram and i come across you know all oh, animals be well it's it's funny because that's just as much a good a, a, a good answer for what is life as anything else I've heard. Yeah, yeah. It's on the back of a koala. <laughs> We're on the back of a koala. Deal with it. <laughs> and and to be honest, like, not only was that a great joke, but I think it was in the next season where Boimler almost drowned and they revive him. And the first thing he says was, I saw a koala. <laughs> like, yes, I'm so happy that that's a thing. <laughs> the callbacks are important. Callbacks are incredibly important. Uh, I'm I'm very careful how I structure my sets to make sure that I've got at least one or two callbacks. Um, you know, getting getting into uh, more about comedy and specifically this short trek. When uh, you know, again, I'll pull the curtain back for the listeners here. When I first contacted you about being on the show, I kind of gave you. Uh, about half a dozen different episodes and different, you know, calendar slots and the whole thing. And one of them was the trouble with Edward and you jumped on that. There was not even a moment, not a moment's hesitation, not like, Oh, if not that, <laughs> then this, it's like, no, I'm talking about this one. People should know that I was willing to wait six months <laughs> to come on the show just so I could talk about this. I really, No, seriously. I was like, I'm never going to remember this show. Oh, I'm never going to. Oh, my God. <laughs> and like I woke up this morning and it was like, it's on my calendar. And I told my wife, oh, my God, it's today. <laughs> I don't know what time, but it's sometime today. <laughs> no, uh, no, I really, really, really want to do the show. Not just because I love the show, yeah. but my stepson never I never saw him laugh so loud in my life oh, especially wow. when that like dr seuss vacuum cleaner came out 
<laughs> and I'm just like, oh god, I gotta talk about the show. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's let's kind of because this um, even for a comedy, like in terms of Star Trek, this is a bit of a departure from like the standard storytelling style. But I wouldn't say that it's the type of comedy from like lower decks either. This is kind of a unique beast here. What is it? What is it that does it for it's a, you? Because it's it's kind of well, dark. Like there's a darkness to it as well. It, it is a dark comedy, but 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 you, you you have to remember like Star Trek, like Trouble with Tribbles was a dark comedy. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, I mean it really was. I mean this. I, I feel like this just kind of latched on to what that was. Yeah. Um and and, and you know, only just a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit more. <laughs> There's looking back at Discovery and like you know we talked about you know how Discovery started and basically the entirety of season one deals with the Klingon War, like yeah. we're, it starts it starts in a very dark place with Burnham's mutiny aboard the Shinzu and then we get into the Klingon War and then. Which, it, which again is very, you know, is very dark, very serious material. And then kind of like, as if that wasn't dark enough, okay, now we're going to the mirror universe where it's even yeah. darker. So, um, and I- Which and, we had to do to explain Lorca. <laughs> exactly. Well, and again, like after all that wrapped up, how did they s- switch gears? They brought in Anson Mount as Captain Pike, who is a no. great Captain Pike. It really did shift the tone of the show it's mostly about that hair though it is lovely hair it's a lovely hair. who doesn't love pike's peak man that that is that is pike's peak buddy i've been trying to i've been trying to keep mine mine up i'm still working with some bedhead this morning Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is an interesting thing because as I was, I, again, I also watched it before sitting down to record this morning right. um, and looking at the overall tone, I was like, you know what? He's kind of got, uh, I'm going to still try to stay spoiler free here for a minute, but there's, there's, a, there's a vibe coming from Larkin that in a different sort of setting, he could have been another he he could have wound up as a serial killer. Like there's some there's some stuff there's some deep stuff going on beneath the surface of Ed Larkin. That's like this is pretty dark. I, I felt bad for him. I feel like Edward Larkin would be a different character if he was treated the same way Barkley was in Next Generation. Yeah, I feel he didn't get the treatment he deserved, and everybody kind of rightfully so <laughs> said this guy's creepy. Get him away. But I mean, they could have done that with Barkley too, and they didn't. And Barkley became a better character as a result of it. And I, I, I kind of wonder if they did that on purpose. You know? Yeah. You know, I. What do you think? I, I mean, I've I've got some thoughts on that, but I feel like we're kind of uh, we're, we're we're getting a little bit deeper in in on the the material. So before we go much further, let's go ahead and let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J. Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, and David Willett. Spoiler alert. All right, folks, normally this is where I would put the recap, but honestly, I'm a little under the weather. You can probably hear it in my voice. And uh, this episode's only 15 minutes long, so go find it. I'm not going to recap something that's so tight. My recap would be longer than the episode, so 
do yourself a favor, go find it and watch it. It's amazing. And uh, enjoy the rest of the conversation with legendary comic book creator J.K. Woodward. Okay, so I definitely want to comment on that particular train of thought about Ed Larkin's treatment versus uh, Reg Barclay. And I think you are absolutely right. And it actually makes me think because at this point, Reg, Reg was a member of the Enterprise D crew underneath a very seasoned, uh, you know, a very mature staff. Much more sympathetic, I think. Yes, much more sympathetic, much more understanding, uh, much more... much more better equipped to handle unique personalities. And I think, and again, you know, maybe that's because it is taking place a little bit further down the line in the chronology, but at the same time, like you've got captain Picard who served on stargazer for at least a decade, maybe two right before he got the enterprise as opposed to Lucero who this is her brand new. Yeah. Brand. Yeah. This is her first command. So yep. I feel like some of that, you know, even though Pike was joking about it, he kind of gives her that, Hey, don't let him. Uh, how did he phrase it? Um, oh, don't show oh, any re- weakness. Yeah. Don't yeah. show any weakness. He or said, don't show any. And he also said that, that uh, remember, they're not going to be equal to you. And she said, well, yeah, some might be better. She didn't mean it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a little, a little. I felt like there was a little bit of hubris in that, uh, Mm -hmm. but there was also, but I again, I feel like even though Pike was joking about his first comment, I feel like some of that sunk in a little bit of just kind of like, hey, I gotta not take from anybody. Well, you realize he was joking, but not joking. Yeah, you know, he in his experience, most people are less than him because he's. Mike, (laughs) I'm so sorry. I keep swearing. I've dropped him too. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So my whole my whole conversation is going to be. I use Um, I I use the red alert siren for for. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, yeah, he's he's Pike. Yeah. So you know, from from his point of view, that's true. Yeah. I don't know if it is from her point of view. Uh, she's brand new. <laughs> and yeah. uh, she did handle herself really well, but I felt like she didn't handle him very well. Yeah. I feel like she was, uh, she kind of pushed him into psycho mode. <laughs> yeah, a you little know? bit. I, I don't think there and was it, a, there wasn't a lot of dialogue. It's just kind of like, hey, you're a great scientist, but I've got X, Y, and Z saying to get you out of here. <laughs> she pretty much said, shut up and do what I tell you. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, um, and, and that was the exact opposite of how Barkley got treated. And and Barkley turned out to be great. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I kind of I, I kind of look at this episode and go, like, if only, yeah, if only you had been a little more sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Well, he- clearly he was insecure. I mean. Yeah, I I would have I would have loved to again every I feel like every trekker is just kind of like oh I would have loved to have seen more but yeah I feel like yeah. this this could have been like a really fun maybe two or three episode arc because not only do we have like the issue with the tribbles but we get to see the destructive power of the tribbles not to mention using human DNA which is kind of <laughs> very which is 
that's a I don't I don't know if you're if you're familiar with Star Trek, but that's an issue. <laughs> I, I love that scene where they're like, um, human DNA. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> yeah, it was me. It's mine. <laughs> yeah, it was me. I'm awesome. <laughs> We do not at this point want any details about how that DNA got in there. <laughs> right, right. Oh, God. Well, just to see everybody just kind of turn their head and just kind of utter it like, <laughs> So, uh, you know, after this particular uh, narrative that we get, which, to and, you know, I understand that it's a short, but I feel like it ends kind of abruptly. But once it does end and the credits roll, we get this hilarious commercial <laughs> in an 80s VHS style for Tribble's cereal. And it's it, <laughs> let me just go back to the 80s VHS style. I've talked with so many people who were like, I didn't get to watch it live. I had to have it taped. So I know, yeah. I know that this format hit home for so many people like what were your thoughts oh the, my god for this was whole i the only one was i the only one that thought of c3po's <laughs> remember c3po's oh it my was out god. for five minutes <laughs> i forgot about c3po's oh that's yeah. so funny or or or, or uh, when um uh the uh keaton batman movie came out they had the batman cereal for the batman cereal seconds. I remember yeah. um, Mr. T's because the Mr. T everything cereal, had a cereal. Yeah, yeah. the Mr. T cereal <laughs> got used in the uh, Pee Wee Herman movie. Uh, yes. I was oh my god, yeah. <laughs> no, he pitied the fool. Ah, <laughs> pitied the fool. Don't eat my cereal. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's. I mean, this this thing like I mean that is definitely our generation though. Like like. Like the, the cereal commercial is like a joke that I don't think anybody else is going to get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like it was definitely like Generation Xers or making that joke. You're right, right. Or other Generation Xers. <laughs> <laughs> and Millennials like, aren't getting that joke. <laughs> no, no. Def definitely not to its fullest extent, for sure. Right. I think, because I mean, if you're, I mean, like me, I always... I always sit through the credits. I mean, people worked on mm -hmm. these things. I, I want to look at their names and all that. Yeah. And it didn't dawn no, on me. You're just, you're just waiting for the scene at the end. Uh, come on. come on. Well, that's the thing is like, this is, this is actually the, you know, after 50 some years of Star Trek, this is the actual first post credits scene or post credits, anything mm -hmm. really in the entire Star Trek franchise. So this is kind of, they special. never went Marvel before. Exactly. Ever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And somebody yeah. was just like, Hey, you know what? We've got one more gag and here it is. <laughs> and man, did they knock it out of the park? That's so great. <laughs> oh my God. I cannot say enough about this end scene. <laughs> the, the, those, those two little girls are hysterical. Uh, <laughs> Not to mention ah. like not to mention like the mom who's like pouring the cereal and then you you see her kind of she kind of glances at the camera like the hell is going on. <laughs> I mean they they have a gun to my head right now. Have, I have to keep <laughs> so they, that's what her look was. <laughs> they just said pour the cereal until it stops. It's not stopping. <laughs> um yeah, I mean yeah. Like I like I said from the word go, because if you're kind of if you're if you're not expecting it, 
like once you see that tracking, you know, the, the VHS tracking thing in the top corner and you're like, wait a minute, right. is, th is this, is my, is my TV screwing up? Like what, what's <laughs> happening? And then they come in with this shot of the USS or it's Did not it feel like, like to me, it felt like I was somebody was videotaped there. Yeah. And like uh, I was like, oh, this is the part I'm not supposed to see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is the, you know, when you record it over something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not supposed to see this. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, and, and I, I mean, they even got me, they even got me with the original Harry Berry and like, yeah. you figure like chocolate or marshmallows or something like that, like spicy ranch, <laughs> like. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's just and and you know we were talking earlier about you know comedy as it's presented and it's kind of weird that something you know mm. like i said before like comedy doesn't usually have a long shelf life but something like this where this is a clear shout out to like late 80s early 90s type of yep. vibe this hits so hard with folks from our generation that it's just kind of like Oh yeah, and and and, this and and to be fair, I think it I think it hits other generations as well, just yeah, not like in the same way. You know, right, like right, not, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the folks who are younger, the folks who are younger, are laughing at the absurdity of it. The folks who are older than us are going, "Oh, this was for those. This is for those people. lived in the absurdity of it." <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Um, any other thoughts about the post credit scene before we move on? <laughs> Jeez, what what the f <laughs> can I say? Uh, what the hell can I say? <laughs> Jesus, you're gonna have so many like us in there. <laughs> well, I'm so know, sorry. <laughs> no, it's really it's okay. I'm having such a good time talking with you. Uh, the uh, so you know, we've got uh, some interesting stuff with some new people to the franchise and of course these comedic minds uh behind not only the story proper but the post credit scene uh really yeah. kind of gave it their gave it their all but you know as we do in every episode we always ask the question who do we blame so <laughs> this whole thing was written by graham wagner now i had some trouble finding some info on him but from what i can tell he clearly has a comedy background his first credits were actually uh as a writer on something called cream of comedy it's something out of canada it's kind of an award show type thing but that was in 2003 and 2004 and he worked on very I'm actually familiar with that are I'm you actually... okay please yeah, yeah, oh my god <laughs> please tell me please tell me about it because i didn't find a lot of info no. on it do you know <laughs> No, no, I guess it's it was a uh, it was it was a very long time ago, um, but it was just a bunch of stand up. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of stand up. Yeah, <laughs> um, Wagner went on to went on to work on a couple of. But other like the second you said that, I was oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, he worked on a bunch of other shows, uh, most notably The Office, where he produced season nine, uh, which comprised of 23 episodes. That was 2012, 2013. He actually wrote two of the episodes, including season nine, episode 16, Moving On, which was directed by Jon Favreau. Um, he was also he also got to play a wedding guest in the finale, which was season nine, episode 23. 
Um, in terms of acting, he's done a few things. He did two episodes of Nick Kroll's sketch show titled Kroll Show. Uh, he also wrote five episodes of Baskets starring Zach Galifianakis and Louis Anderson. I, it's, I, we're talking all comedy here, folks. Oh God, <laughs> I love that show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I, to be show. honest, I, to, I'll, I'll be honest. I love Zach Galifianakis and I have a, sp I have a soft spot in my heart for Louis Anderson. But for whatever reason, I haven't pulled the trigger yet on baskets. And this might be the thing that gets me to sit oh, down and watch it. <laughs> Is it good? You need to watch that show. Yo, you need to watch that show. It's okay. really hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, Graham Wagner also produced seven episodes of the short-lived sitcom Mulaney. Uh, but then in 2014, he got a pretty Whoa. big gig on Portlandia, uh, which Kelly Sue DeConnick when I asked her about Portland, she said simply, it's a documentary. Oh, hold on. You yeah. have not seen that show? Have you not watched Portlandia? Oh, I, oh, yeah, no, I, no, I've watched oh, okay, a lot okay, of Portlandia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. No, that, that one's really, Woo! it's really, really good. I, I'll, I <laughs> will say I am behind, but I've seen a lot of it. Probably maybe the first three or four seasons of it. Like it's, I, I think they're up to, I think they stopped at eight. I think season eight was the last season yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I asked Kelly Sue DeConnick about, you know, they, of course her and Matt live in that area. I was just like, so the show Portlandia and she cut me off. She goes, yeah, it's a documentary. <laughs> that thing is very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in terms of Graham Wagner's involvement with Portlandia, he actually did some acting in a couple of episodes and he wrote 50 episodes, which is basically all of season four, five, six, seven, and eight, which is impressive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, produced all of those episodes as well, including uh, an inside Portlandia sort of uh, behind the scenes type episode. Uh, and then in 2017, he got a job on Silicon Valley, where he wrote three episodes and produced 18 episodes. Now for Graham's work oh on God. Portlandia, have you, what, have you seen that? I, I, you're 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 talking about all my favorite shows right now. <laughs> I, mean, I swear to God, That's, Silicon Valley is like one of my favorites, and and so is Portlandia. So many people have yeah. raved about yeah. Silicon Valley, and that's another one that has slipped through the cracks for me. But I right. I need to catch up on that one as well. There's only so many hours in the day, man. <laughs> Shame on you. I know. I know. It's, it's, I might as well just start tearing up my nerd card. Just like, no, clearly I can't hang. But for Graham's work on Portlandia and Silicon Valley, he received one PGA nomination, two WGA nominations, and eight primetime Emmy nominations. So... Yeah, well done. Congratulations, Graham. <laughs> did, did some great stuff. Uh, unfortunately, this is his only work in the franchise so far. Uh, but maybe on something, uh, we'll see him again. Maybe, uh, maybe Lower Decks. It'd be nice if they threw him a bone for Lower Decks. You know, some some sort of comedy material. Here's fingers crossed. Here's hoping. Uh, this episode mm -hmm. was directed by Daniel Gray Longino, uh, who has a very similar resume to Graham Wagner. A lot of comedy. Uh, but worked with a lot of comedians, including Tim and Eric, as well as Eric Andre, and as well as directing Joe Mandy's special titled Joe Mandy's award-winning comedy special uh, and an episode of Lady Dynamite starring one of my absolute favorites, Maria Bamford. Have you ever seen Lady Dynamite? Oh, my God. I love that show. It's such a great show. Oh. I love it. <laughs> and, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
I I always recommend her stuff. I always recommend Maria Bamford's stuff to like newer comedians just because she has such a well-refined uh writing style and delivery and I think that Oh my god. Can we like do a podcast about stand-up comics? I <laughs> Because I feel like that's all we're talking about. <laughs> Let's just say, uh, listeners, if you haven't subscribed to get post-show discussions, trust me, go ahead and subscribe because you're going to want to hear the post the post discussion uh, with with J.K. Woodward about stand-up comedy. Because I've got I've got some stuff to talk to you about for sure. <laughs> well, Maria Bamford is like one of my favorites. She's a, she's an absolute yeah. treasure. I, basically, like I once she adore got, her. Yes. Once she got out of the, uh, once she came out of uh, the Institute and she did the, um, the special, special, special in her living room in right. front of her parents. Yeah. It's so good, but it also just blew my mind and was just like, this is amazing. And then her very yeah. next one, old baby. If, if you just look at the visuals of that, it's sort of, it is the track of how stand-up works. Like, you do it in front of the mirror and then you do it for a couple of friends. Then you do it for a living room full of people. And then you go to a coffee house and then you, you go to a small venue and then you're in a big theater. That's kind of the, hey, hey, it's really awkward because you don't want to see this, but yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, it's like, what am I seeing? What What is happening here? Um, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. There's, there's, a, there's an honesty to it though. That I Very really much. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So uh, Daniel uh, Longino, uh, there's uh, also a couple of, couple of overlaps with Graham's resume. Uh, he's got credits on Kroll Show, Portlandia, uh, some animation including Big Mouth, where uh, he worked with Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Uh, that's an absolutely wonderful show. But this is his only directing in the franchise so far. But he was also an editor for all 10 episodes of a show called John Benjamin Has a Van. And uh, we'll get to that in just a oh! moment. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I love that one too. I'm sorry. We're, we're finding Look, all I'm kinds. I'm going to shut of... up now. No, no. We're, we're, hitting, we're hitting all kinds of stuff for James. <laughs> uh, in terms of the guest stars, we've got, uh, of course, Anson Mount returning as Pike. Uh, but we've got Rosa Salazar uh, the new as the newly promoted Captain Lynn Lucero. Uh, her first credit was season two, episode four of a show called Old Friends. Uh, that was from 2010. She's got multiple episodes of American Horror Story and Parenthood. Uh, have you seen her? That's where I know her from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, like I know I've seen her before. Oh, was, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she also did 10 episodes of College Humor Originals. You know, you see those floating around on the Internet all the time. She actually was in Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories. That was season one, episode nine. And she also did season five, episode 12 of Comedy Bang Bang. I loved Comedy Bang Bang. That was so oh, great. And then in uh, 2019, she got the title role in Alita Battle Angel, which is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Um, of course, her face, you know, slightly you know, manipulated for that particular thing. She's playing, like I said, the title role. She's the she's the the battle robot. Uh, but this is her only appearance in the franchise so far. I actually really, really kind of like her as kind of this young captain who's she she reminded me a little bit of like Captain Archer, where she doesn't have a great grasp on like everything that you need to be like a stellar captain, but because Archer was first, it's like, Oh, he's first. But yeah, I see like 
she could do like some really fantastic things if they bring her back, maybe in Strange New Worlds or in some other capacity. I'd be down for it. She pulled it off. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, we've got Mr. H. John Benjamin as Lieutenant Edward Larkin. If you don't know his face, you almost definitely know his voice. And like his resume is kind of long. So I really just focused on the animation. So here we go. 81 episodes of Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist. 52 episodes. My favorite show. It's such a great show. I remember that. (laughs) Oh, it's so wonderful. He played Dr. Katz's son. Yeah, he was Ben Katz. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got 52 episodes of home movies where he did multiple voices there. Seven episodes of Freak Show, again, doing multiple voices. 11 episodes of Lucy, the daughter of the devil, where he plays Satan. (laughs) Uh, Five episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Four episodes of the Venture Brothers, where he is the master. Uh, And then, of course, the... He played the three-headed dog in that one. I, th- I think Venture so. Brothers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a so. Cerebus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we've got his big hits here. 135 episodes of Archer playing the role of Sterling Archer, codenamed Duchess. Uh, <laughs> and of course, of course, least we forget, 259 episodes of Bob's Burgers playing yeah. Bob. Uh, yeah, he is, he is an absolute treasure. I remember seeing his, his character in Parks and Rec and his, I think as soon as he rounded the corner, yeah. I was watching that particular episode. It's the one where Andy falls in the pit and, um, uh-huh. he, he plays the attorney for the city. And as soon as he rounded the corner, I, I knew the face and I went, <gasps> and my wife was just like, what? And I was just like, close your eyes and just listen. And as soon Wait as you he, hear it. Yeah. As soon as he talked, she was like, <laughs> Archer. <laughs> I was like, yep, that's him. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, this is his only appearance in the franchise because he uh, does meet his, uh, his. Oh, by the way, guess who my favorite Star Trek actor is now? Uh, oh, I who go for it. <laughs> this guy, he invented tribbles. Yeah, it, yeah, he think about it. He think invented. About it. He think invented about the can. What we know as tribbles. <laughs> James T. Kirk would not have the problems he had without this guy. <laughs> without Bob Belcher. <laughs> without, without his DNA. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, this is his only appearance. Uh, unfortunately, eighty six, uh, eighty six Lieutenant Larkin, uh, gone, but definitely not forgotten. So uh, we got a couple of interesting little tidbits here. The song heard as the Tribbles begin to reproduce out of control is Johnny Appleseed by Bing Crosby, grandfather of Denise Crosby, aka Tasha Yar. Uh, this is the first Star Trek production, as I mentioned earlier. This is the first one to feature a post-credit scene. And uh, in the post-credit scene, there's a code seen on the food synthesizer, and the code is A113. And if you're familiar with like Pixar movies and stuff like that, you see that pop up all over the place in Pixar movies. And apparently, this is a common in-joke typically inserted by alumni of California Institute of the Arts. And it refers to a classroom there at that school where all the animation students kind of come through. So that's kind of like their little 
their little badge, their kind of mark that, you know, hey, I went to uh, CIA, I, you know, I'll put this I'll put this in as uh, part of my little animation signature here. But uh, the last little thing that I've got, and, you know, this is kind of shifting the tone a little bit here, is an article from Slate.com by Marissa Martinelli from June of 2018, basically announcing that uh, the showrunners, uh, Berg and Harberts, were being dismissed from the show. Now, the reason that this is interesting is because on the last episode, um, we we mentioned Aaron J. Harberts was actually the first openly gay uh, showrunner in Star Trek history. And we talked about, you know, how important that was in terms of Trek in its history and continuing to bring stories into this franchise from different points of view. And it's it's kind of interesting because CBS didn't give a specific explanation, but Variety cited, quote unquote, tension in the writer's room. And they went on uh, this article. Uh, goes on to say that insiders also stress that Berg and Harberts became increasingly abusive to the Discovery writing staff, with Harberts said to have leaned across a writer's room table while shouting an expletive at a member of the show's staff. And this is kind of interesting to look at, especially in the wake of something like the writer's strike, where, you know, folks who... I mean, we've seen this isn't the first writer's strike and it's, you know, not the first strike of uh, creatives in the industry, but basically saying like, hey, we're tired of taking this abuse, you know, or we're tired of being ignored and we're tired of, you know, not getting properly compensated for our work. And, you know, as we talked about earlier in this episode, uh, you know, James, you know, going through uh, hell, breaking into the industry cost you a lot of money and you had to sacrifice a lot of things. I've experienced that as well, you know, producing comedy shows and doing stand up myself. It's kind of you got to factor in. I got I got to find a place to crash. I got to find gas money. Like I hope I make gas money enough to either get to the next show or to get back home. Like creatives have unfortunately been put in this particular position throughout time or through, you know, across the entertainment industry of not being really accepted or not being properly treated, properly compensated for their work. And it reaches a boiling point where they say, all right, that's it. Enough's enough. Now you mentioned that you kind of have to stay on top of your game because like you said, there's a line 20 guys deep willing to take your spot yeah. in a heartbeat. Comedy is yeah. kind of the same way of like, if I get asked to be on a show there's no real begging. They're like, okay, we'll find somebody else. And they will, <laughs> and they'll pay them. <laughs> oh, it's the same way in comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, any thoughts about, any thoughts about this particular thing? Cause we kind of, we kind of got this one side where it's like, Hey, we got, you know, more diversity behind the camera. And then we turn around and find out that, Oh, they're abusing the writers too. Like any, any thoughts about, any anything like that have you have you experienced anything like that <laughs> abuse are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> that you'd be willing to share <laughs> i will say this is a safe place <laughs> this is do a i have place. stories about abuse <laughs> oh boy <laughs> no 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 not that i want to talk about though because i'm not a pussy <laughs> <laughs> 
No, uh, uh, but but all kidding aside, um, you're in a business where um, there's so many people again, um, where you you never are ever gonna feel like you're on top. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not like the '70s. It's not like the '70s where you had your John Burns and you had your your big names. Right. We don't have that anymore. No. <laughs> Yeah. We don't have that anymore, yeah. and uh, and and there there ain't a uh, they will knock you down, <laughs> take your job. Yeah. Um. So you know it's it's a it's a very different world now. Um. It pays five dollars an hour. I don't know if you knew about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's not it's not the best job to have. You have to really love what you do. Yeah. To be in this job. Because it really, it it really is not that rewarding. Yeah, it's you know you, you can you can get it's I've been I've been lucky enough to have my name appear on a book that I worked on and I've got it on my shelf and and that's great. But at the same time, like I think about everything that I went through to make that happen, and it's just like I was gonna say, like, what's that done for you? Uh, yeah, huh? yeah. Has it changed your life? I, I think I've had a grand total of two people ever ask me to sign anything. <laughs> yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. And and not, not to mention like stand-up comedy where we where we survive on cheeseburgers and encouragement. Like, <laughs> like hey, it was really funny. Really? You think so? Thank you so much. Can I have some gas money? No? Well, okay, at least thanks for coming out. <laughs> It's it's funny you bring up stand up comedy because like I can't relate to people more than you. <laughs> you guys are like my thing. Like I'm like oh they uh, there's a reason they call us both comics. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, you know, first of all, James, thank you so much taking the time i know you're super busy we're gonna start wrapping this thing up but one one question that we always ask when we're talking about a, an episode in the franchise is is this essential viewing if somebody is sitting down and working their way through star trek for the very first time is this something that they must see or is this something they can skip edward is the most important part of star trek you'll ever hear <laughs> i'm telling you that right now because <laughs> Because seriously, trouble with Tribbles wouldn't have happened without him. Yeah. Without his DNA, which we're not going to talk about. <laughs> without his DNA, and these things wouldn't have started reproducing yep. the way they do. Yeah. So the whole point of trouble with Tribbles would have never happened without Edward. So we owe Edward. In fact, I salute Edward. <laughs> <laughs> Edward, what you've done? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, seriously. Yeah, I. So, I uh, how how can you disagree with that? Yeah, I, to be honest, like yeah. if if you're talking about like the grand scheme of the entire Star Trek franchise, yeah, you could probably skip this. But in terms of like tribbles popping up through, uh, quite literally popping up throughout the franchise, this is their secret origin. This is the origin story of the Tribbles. And it's such a, it's so, such a unique part of the franchise as a whole, albeit small, uh, literally and figuratively, but uh, you know, <laughs> this is kind of an important, this is kind of an important part of this franchise. And uh, I, I, yeah. 
I, I, I feel like we should have a moment where, uh, okay, everybody, Edward, he's right there. Thank him. Yep, everything. Thank Edward. We're we're gonna form a single Thank file you, line. Edward. We're gonna form a single file line. The entire franchise gets to go by and shake, yeah. take his hand, take a selfie, and move on. Do not tell him he's dumb. He hates that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much again for joining us uh, today, James. Oh, I really, really appreciate it. Um, any parting thoughts before I, we go about the episode, the franchise, uh, your experience here today, uh, your work within the franchise? Any parting thoughts before we go? Don't call me dumb. <laughs> that's that's good advice for anybody, honestly. <laughs> no, that was my favorite part of the show. It was like, are you calling me dumb? <laughs> it's just like, no, you called me dumb. Yeah, you called All me right. dumb. All right, and dead. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I'm just there's a reason I picked this episode. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Edward. I I identify with him. I'm afraid to say oh. <laughs> I really do. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a good time. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Well, folks. Oh, Captain, he is my captain of the USS Magellan on Cosmic Crit as we play through the Star Trek adventures. Next week, we will be joined by Star Trek superfan and podcaster Drew Burris from the More You Nerd podcast to discuss Discovery Season 2, Episode 6, The Sound of Thunder, which is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. James, where can people bother you on the internet? Well, you can find me at JK underscore Woodward on every social media <laughs> pretty much i'm on twitter jk underscore woodward uh i think on facebook same thing uh instagram yeah that's how i roll and i am at mr todd a davis on all of the socials from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in 10 forward Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?